0: All right, so let's go ahead and dive right in. Um, welcome to the Storytime of Uncle Tweezy podcast. I want to uh, take you guys about as far back as I can possibly go without being a zygote. Um, in this particular case, uh, I have via Skype uh, a homie from way back. And when I say way back, I'm talking <coughs> junior high way back. Um, none other than Mr. Greg Wickstrom, this rings no bells for anyone unless she, <laughs> unless she went to Palm Harbor middle School circa yeah. late eighties uh but I affectionately known him as the Pigs, mm. uh which we will explain where that comes from uh, but deep, uh
1: <laughs> deep roots there
0: deep deep roots but um basically uh me and this guy go way back and so when i'm all, whenever I'm asked you know what was your first rap, do you remember it? what was your first situation? This is where I have to go back to, but there's hard to give anybody a frame of reference because this is like 13, 14, 15. Uh, So I met this guy in junior high. It was uh, Palm Harbor Middle School, and we used to share a desk, but not literally share a desk. Um, He had it at a different time, and I would always draw and sketch. I came from an artistic background, and I would leave little sketches on the the desk because I was inevitably always bored in classroom. And then I I would find little (laughs) touch-ups. Little, alterations some some little alterations to my drawings um because apparently me and this guy shared uh we both shared a um uh the same desk but at different periods yeah and so i would draw something and then come find it the next day it was completely altered extra anatomical parts were added <laughs> Among other things. Some, some various speech bubbles uh, would be coming out of my guy. Um, <laughs> and yeah. uh, we we, sh- we had a lot of mutual friends, but I don't think we uh, had really kicked it until about eighth grade. And so uh, our paths started crossing, and uh, I think we started a bond on some very twisted artistic level. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, but anyway, um, so that's how I got to know you, and then we went on to uh, to high school together at Tarpon Springs High School. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that's probably when we really connected. And I lived, I think, maybe a good 30 minutes away, bicycle ride. But every day after school, I'd hop off the bus, hop immediately on my bike, and brave the traffic, almost dying, and I would go immediately to this guy's house with world dreams of world domination via <laughs> via rap music. Yeah, man. Yeah, we had a turntable.
1: And I had an older brother that always kept me uh, a few years ahead on the music scene. And he had some old Black Sabbath records I think we used to spend. Um yes. <laughs> And a few turntables, I think, uh, got scratched out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I got to really give it to you, Greg, because uh, you were like the first guy to uh, to put me up on a lot of the hip-hop that really that really ended up really shaping me from an influential standpoint. Wow. So up to that point, I think eighth grade, I was just into like raw bass and, and a lot of the party rap and you know, of course previously Beastie Boys. Yeah. But uh I'll never forget you were like, No, you gotta check out uh Public Enemy. Yeah. And uh you put me up on a lot of the conscious rap that I was unaware of. Um and I would remember you'd you'd make me some mixtapes or whatever. And uh I have to really honestly, you know, cite you as the guy that um I guess influenced influenced my uh, my taste in rap. Wow that's so.
1: pretty deep man. You know? It's uh was so different than anything that was out there at the time. You didn't hear public enemy on the radio. Right. You know we uh I think only, I just saw it on that small clip in the self destruction thing that was on M- MTV. Yeah. And the second I heard Chuck D's voice I just knew, you know, and then the message was so deep. You know they really they were saying something and if you look at the pop music in the nineteen eighties, they weren't saying a whole lot,
0: <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, so you really, what? What I mean, what drew you to that style of uh, of music?
1: It was just a whole other world that we weren't exposed to as kids growing up in the suburbs in the eighties. That just wasn't something that you saw. You know, it was something we saw. You know, the internet wasn't around. You know, yeah. there was just very few ways to see what was happening outside of our very small world in those days. You know, the mall. You know, and, yeah. uh, so it was uh, definitely an awakening and then just, uh, you know, especially with Public Enemy, all the things they had to say, it was so different, you know, and it really made me think about things that I'd never thought about before. And most people around me weren't thinking about, you know.
0: Right, right. Do You, you know, I remember Chuck D saying that uh, that hip hop was the ghetto CNN.
1: Yeah, that man, Chuck D, he was a uh, messenger of prophecy, man. he uh, He, you know. Yeah, he's amazing amazing uh, lyricist. Right. And, uh, you know.
0: Well, you know, it's funny about that because, see, at the time, though, I was living in the suburbs, the Palm Harbor area of Florida uh, with my mom during the week and then every weekend going to what was considered the hood portion of Tampa, Ybor uh, City with my dad. Yeah. So I was always in this balancing act of these two worlds that I was living in and, and. Kind of not really fitting into either in a lot of ways until maybe junior high or I say late junior high, freshman year of high school, um, and I I always uh, felt like an outsider when it came to hip hop. But you were like the one one of the few guys that really that I bonded with on a rap level. That that uh, it was almost like a secret language that we had. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying like this, uh, uh, you know, this language that we basically had of 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 hip hop.
1: That's true. Um,
0: So all that to be said, uh, I always kind of felt like, uh, ironically, that the two white guys in Spanish class were the only ones discussing Public Enemy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I think it's difficult for people to understand that rap wasn't popular music. I mean, kids that had grown up later, you know, it was not popular. You know, we kind of dug it out and dug it, literally dug it. Yeah. And uh, just was a fascination with the culture. Right. No, right, uh, yeah, you know, I had to get that African necklace remember?
0: okay <laughs> so let's <laughs> let's go ahead and sidebar into that right now. Let's talk about that because that is a phenomenal story, um, so you know the late eighties rap was very afrocentric, and uh so a lot of the rappers were rocking these African medallions, and it was like almost like the ultimate um I don't know I guess you could say the ultimate uh. Tell, yeah it was the ultimate apparel but as a white guy and by the way we've just now been joined by none other than the infamous the infamous chris McCony is now on the uh the line with us oh man this is like the first chief force posse reunion <laughs> <laughs> well, what's up chris all uh, right So we'll we'll explain how Chris is significant to this conversation in one second. But basically, uh, I was talking about Greg's uh, foray into his Afrocentric roots (laughs) via Tarpon Springs High School. So let me basically explain. So a lot of the the time, a lot of the rappers would rock these African medallions. Obviously, it was a black thing. And rap was a very black, militant aspect at that time. So it was the ultimate non-white guy thing to have. However, I'll never forget this. At lunchtime... Greg gets enough hutzpah together, enough gall, if you will, to walk up to a random black kid at our school Quante. and offer him and offer him money on the spot. Quante Fowler for his African medallion,
1: dude. That thing, people don't understand. You couldn't go to the mall and get this medallion. There was no store that you could find this thing in. And you know, when you respect an artist, you want to look like them. You want to talk and sound like them. You know, Public enemy, they had these medallions. I'm like, and I couldn't get one. And here it right. is. I see this medallion. I'm like, yo, I'm going for it.
0: And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I well, bought I, it, you know. He bought it on the spot, and so for one part of me I was like, Well, he's just gonna hold it. You know, he's gonna hang it up in his room. <laughs> he'll he'll know the line. Greg immediately puts this around his neck and just posts up on the on the wall like, yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. right. Just yeah. another just another light skinned African over here, <laughs> hey man, one world one one human, there you go, Bob Marley, good job yeah man, uh so well, the funny thing was I remember you know going to ebor City on the weekends with my dad and seeing those hanging in like the little hood shops, mm-hmm. and uh, my dad actually offering to buy one for me, and I just felt like that was the line that I just couldn't cross, so to speak, mm-hmm. and um Long story short, I had always admired Greg's ability to just essentially just say, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm just going to do this, X, Y, Z. Which uh, brings me to another man who has hopped on the conversation with us, uh, Mr. Chris McCony, another Palm Harbor Middle School graduate slash Tarpon Springs alumni. Uh, I wanted him on the phone here because Chris is the person who recorded our first rap ever. So right. that's I thought it would be hilarious to recreate this moment because obviously it's very significant to my career and my life. Um and I'm I'm going to tell it from my perspective. Greg, maybe you can tell it from your perspective and I would definitely like to hear it from Chris's perspective. Uh <laughs> But uh I remember at the time, you know, we were we were basically we had a fake rap group that was called the uh go ahead G GF, Force posse. <laughs> Which, obviously, the G stood for Greg because Greg was at the forefront of the rap thing uh, So we made up this—if I'm not—and correct me if, if I'm telling you the story wrong, but we made up basically this fake rap group um, that was in sort of retaliation for another classmate who oh, had yeah. a rap tape, and we okay. thought we thought that he was not real like we were. How could I forget? And uh, Uh, his name was – should we just go ahead and put it out there? I guess I'm assuming he's not going to listen to the podcast. Yeah. I think it's safe. (laughs) Curly. His name was Curly. That was his rap name. And uh, we just figured he was not the authentic rappers that we were, which I don't even know because we had never recorded or done anything at that point. But he put out a tape, man. He put
1: out a tape. He put out a tape and we were like, what's
0: this? (laughs) This is some bogus stuff, man. This is bogus. This was quite, it was boffing, if you will.
1: Well, Um, he just, he was playing like a cut from, I can't even remember what the group was, and he was just talking over it, basically. Right. But then (laughs) passing himself off like some MC.
0: Right. And uh, so we basically made up this rap group sort of to retaliate against him. Mm -hmm. However, we never actually recorded anything or did anything. And I do remember very clearly coming up with the G-Force Posse with the idea that we were going to charge people to be in the rap group, do you that remember this? Was, that was true. <laughs> I made cards. <laughs> do you want to go? Ahead and, you want to talk about these G Force Posse membership cards? Which yeah. I will be putting. This will be the only image on this podcast. Is yes. this Posse card. Yeah, my dad and I cooked this thing up in
1: his office. He yeah, had one of those original Mac computers, you know, the ones, um, you know, from like you know the mid '80s. And he uh, put that together. I think the first Fishbone album used the same program, <laughs> if that means anything to anybody. But yeah, yeah, we put together these cards, and we uh, laminated them and cut them up. And then if they wanted to be in the posse, we uh, wrote their special names on them, which we crafted based on their characteristics or nicknames that we came up with. And
0: uh, yeah, man. Can you preface this by the fact that we did also charge people to be in this? Yeah, it's usually lunch money. I mean that's quite a hustle if you think about it. That's you have you have to pay to be in the group five dollars, and you get a fake name.
2: I'm pretty Without sure
1: that. these were not the
2: most politically correct names. So
1: may have
0: either.
1: Yeah, they may have bridged you know a few, crossed a few. Yeah, perhaps. But it was you know different time. I,
0: I do, I do remember a lot of a lot of Jewish related names for our for our fellow Jewish friends. Okay. Uh, I do remember a one known as Kid Bagel that, uh, yeah. that, that could be and uh, anyway self-proclaimed I think that one was there you go so the point was we were charging people to be in these rap groups and so I remember there eventually was a sort of a backlash of you don't have no rap group you don't have no CD etc cetera, etc cetera. and Greg cooked up a plot
1: I did and I you explain,
0: did. explain your way of, of, of us having fake legitimacy
1: I had a good friend that worked at the record store CD store in those days uh And he always uh, hooked me up with the demo discs for free and that sort of thing. And I told him all about our group and how we were getting started up and how people were questioning, you know, the legitimacy of the group. So he printed out a nice little label (laughs) (laughs) for me. And he stuck it in the the hip-hop section, which back then was called the rap section, I'm sure. And uh, sure enough, it said G-Force Posse. And uh, so... (laughs) I don't know what we'd be sandwiched in between the
0: G's and the H's. But <laughs> the but best part of this <laughs> was it, it always appeared like it was sold out. Yeah,
1: a lot of people come up and be like, no, it's for real, man. It's a Camelot. I saw it myself. <laughs> it's a Camelot. It's sold out, man. We, keep it on the shelves. We
0: could not keep it on the shelves because it did not exist in any format. So this was like the perfect out to basically be like, yo, I got no CD, yes we do, it's in the stores, it's just always sold out, because we were in such a demand in the Palm Harbor, Clearwater, Dunedin area. But dude, back in 89, <laughs> I mean, if you had a CD, it meant you were like,
1: for real, well, you couldn't yeah. burn your own disc in right. these days. That's just for people right. that don't understand that. Like, right, right. So. Well,
0: so I think eventually, as the school year progressed, I think, I think I remember some sort of discussion being like, well, maybe we should actually record something. And finally put, you know, do something. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and that basically led to you and I sort of staring blankly at each other going, <laughs> I don't have any beats. You don't have any beats. Yo, we, we don't... got a bass guitar. Maybe that makes <laughs> some bass. Remember that? I just remember you were on a quest for bass. You That's were right. constantly like going, well, I don't know how to make a beat. Well, it has to have bass. How are we going to get that sound? That, and like, you were like. That was hello like, Brooklyn sound. Right. And it was uh, to the effect of basically going, well, we have no clue what to do right now. And so I think I thought, oh, they must take two records and just scratch the breakbeat. And we only had one record player. So I remember very distinctly going to uh, a friend's Jonathan Crane's house to attempt to scratch the beat (laughs) and completely destroying his, his, his one record player. Yeah, you got about two scratches in, and that thing was, uh... That thing was gone. That was done. And, I, and, and that childhood local neighborhood friend had to drive or ride his bike 20 miles to replace <laughs> I'm pretty,
2: it. I'm pretty sure if his parents had found out about that, that would have been destruction.
0: <laughs> However, unfortunately, he became sort of the, uh, the, uh... I don't know, the go-to, I don't want to say whipping boy, that's a terrible term, but he definitely was the wrath of several of our attempts at everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. I do remember, unfortunately, he being uh, uh, the guinea pig for a lot of bad ideas that we would execute on him. So shout out to John, I apologize 25 years later, I, I still feel guilty about destroying your record player. But anyway, I remember this brought us to a point where we were like, look, I don't have any beats, you don't have any beats, we really don't know how to make any beats. Then comes Chris McConey, two blocks over, Uh who I knew was a third base fan, and thus (laughs) I felt a kinship with. Pete Nice. And uh, I remember, I think, I don't remember, Chris, did we have classes in junior high together? I I know. I'm sure we did. I, I definitely remember you being around. I don't remember as much of us hanging out as much as maybe getting into freshman year, but. I think we go all the way back to like Ozona Elementary, maybe even. Yeah. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. So I knew Chris. I didn't hang out with Chris as much as I did with Greg, but kind of the whole neighborhood sort of eventually would kind of kick it with each other, I think, was was that area that I would ride my bike down to. And um so I remember basically Greg going, Well, Chris has got recording equipment. Let's just go bang on his window. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If we banged on the window. But. I remember distinctly banging on his window. <laughs> we did, did not come, go he, to he his door. We did enter through the window. I think he actually entered through the front door. We did enter through the front door, but I remember there was like going, "We're Craig, not going." He,
2: Craig used to bang on my window all the time. <laughs> okay. I think he actually used to come in through the
1: window. <laughs> yeah. not, uh, not, you know, all together. He had, a, pop-
2: he, had a, he had an unhealthy obsession with my guitars.
1: <laughs> now that is the true. Yeah, that's true. I remember that. You loaned me one. It's one of the first ones I ever played if I remember.
0: Yeah. So, Chris, do you remember this? Do you remember this moment when we came and, and oh, yeah. essentially disrupted your piece? Do you remember yeah, okay. this? For sure. For okay, sure. Okay. So, what, <laughs> I I'm curious to know what was going through your mind at that moment. Well, so
2: I I was just excited. So, I was like, you know, basically
0: a closet producer, so I
2: would, you know, I had my my synth rig that, you know, I could sequence stuff on and I had my four track cassette recorder that I could lay down
0: tracks on. and So I I
2: think I was just excited to have some people to collaborate with.
0: So you didn't feel put out by two random people from the neighborhood just being like … No. I
2: was used to Greg coming over and using me for my gear. (laughs) So that was all pretty much par for the course and then, hey, you
0: know … So you just sort of penciled in Greg time about every day around 5.
2: Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) Sounds
0: about right. (laughs) Okay, so I remember going, okay, well, he's got a, I I don't remember if you had, I think you had the third base CD or the third base poster. (laughs) I had had the CD. That was enough to me be like, okay, he's all right. He's legitimate. This might work. And I do remember, uh, we must've prepared something. Now I do remember Well So I think,
2: I don't know if I had some tracks that I've been already working on, or if we just started, you know, just started in on
0: it. And and started just like, I think, I think we did like, what, three or four songs? All I remember is the one where my voice would not stop cracking constantly. <laughs> That's what I remember the clearest. And I do remember us kind of walking in your room and sort of barging in and, and being like, "All right, make us a beat." And you just like got on your keyboard, and all there really was was a kick and a snare, and you were playing it live. Yeah. <laughs> while we were attempting to 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 do this rap, and uh, I,
2: think, I-, I think actually I think we laid down the we 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 we, we would come up with the beat. Yes. And then we would loop it, and then we would dump that to the four track, and then we would
0: take that, and and then you guys would rap over it. Well, all I can remember very clearly is how I had no control over my larynx. <laughs> <laughs> that the sheer amount, like I was definitely going through the change, and I my voice would not stop cracking. And I remember very clearly on one line, I don't know why this sticks out in my head, and I said, hasn't settled down with a house and a wife. And instead of saying a wife, it was like, wife!
1: Really? <laughs> <laughs> that of the first rhymes ever, huh?
0: Uh, and I, the thing was, actually at the time, I remember kind of clearly going, like, I don't want to be the rapper. I felt like I was, like, not supposed to be a rapper. Like, I was supposed to be the DJ. That it was supposed yeah, to be M- I I M- MC yeah. Pigs and DJ Bones. Now... <laughs> I have not even told people about my, my original first name, Bones, which I have to think, now that looking back, I think you actually gave me that name, Greg. I think what? you were you were the crafter of the Bones. Perhaps. perhaps. Only because Jonah rhymed with Bona, which be- – <laughs> <laughs> and, and I refused to be known as Jonah Bona. And I, I remember very insistently saying, you have to call me Bones from here on out. Yeah. And yeah. uh here we are all these years later and I still probably text you as bones. Which yeah. Sounds tough, man. It does. Yeah. However, MC Pigs has I don't know if it has the same rig to, ring to it. So can you explain why in the world your name was Pigs? You know,
1: there's got to be like 10 different names it evolves. <laughs> you know, I think man. Remember my friend had a BMX bike that said like freestyler. <laughs> And then that went to, like, Styler, (laughs) and then, like, Sty, and then, like, Pig Sty, and then it was just Pigs. I mean, that's pretty much what it was.
0: (laughs) And I do remember, like, pretty much amongst our crew, nobody really used the same, their actual name. Like, Chris McConey was not, hey, Chris McConey. It was, like, McCones or McConers. (laughs) I think it
2: was McCones. I I never really got a full fledged nickname. It was it was always some modification
0: of my last name. <laughs> the McCones. And I remember that conversation starting off with like, well we can always go to McCones. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, All right, so let's go let's go harass him. And I remember so so I remember this is this is where the I think the the, the story gets pretty funny because I remember going to your house. And uh now full full disclosure at this time I was not a believer. I was actually pretty I guess for for lack of a better term I was almost agnostic. I I didn't know if there was a god or not. I was definitely in a in an angry space. And uh in a lot of ways I was um you know just basically like uh I don't know. I I guess I'm not sure what the word would be but just definitely struggling with my identity. And uh long story short um I remember using <laughs> so much profanity on our recording that Chris's mom intervened. Oh, I definitely remember your mom coming in a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, the lyrical content.
2: There was a there was a point that we took a break and and we stepped out and and, you know, so, you know, we were like 13 years old, or I'm 13, probably
0: 13. No, actually, we would have been 14. I think we would have been right. in, like, this freshman year. You're right.
2: Yeah, so, so 13, 14. You know, this is a this is a pretty pivotal time in a kid's life. It's a lot of awkwardness. And so we come out of the room, and, of course, my mom, you know, just starts laying in with, uh, you know, hey, well, why aren't you guys being more positive? Why don't you make something that's, you know, about God? And, <laughs> you know, so that was... You know, maybe a little embarrassing. You know, we got the new the new kid over. I'm trying to make a good good first impression, Greg. I, I'm pretty sure, Greg, you heard this like nonstop from her.
1: Yeah, I know on, on a way to Bush Gardens a few times, probably. Yeah.
2: So,
0: so you know, <laughs> I was like, you know, come on, really? And I well, I remember I remember hearing that, and she and I never forget it because it's it's so ironic, and we'll we'll talk about how that relates to you, Chris, uh now, but. Um, I remember her saying that, and I and I do remember kind of like constantly getting in trouble with various parents over my mouth. I remember your mom, your mom, Greg, one time like saying, uh, "Your friend's language is atrocious." <laughs> that sounds like my mom. Still, to, to my mom, the f word is fart.
1: I mean, it sounds it sounds dirty for me to even say it because I, I would never say that
0: word in front of my mother. Well, I, I must have I must have used enough choice language that I do remember your mom, Chris, kind of saying like that, like, hey, you guys should be positive, and you guys should should even rap about God, and and God was the fur- furthest thing from my mind at that point in 1989, and I remember kind of sitting there, you know, maybe politely sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, sure, and I, and I remember we had kind of tried to write a positive song, like that rap that I had just done when my voice kept cracking, like that was our positive song, mm-hmm. which... Who even knows what we were trying to be positive about. Like, how much does a 14 year old have to be positive? You know, like, go to school, get good grades, <laughs> don't do drugs, kids. You know, like, anyway, like a Fresh Prince, I, Prince song, yeah, basically. And and, and 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 so I'm I'm coming from like, and it's ironic that we're talking about this, but you know, I'm coming from NWA straight out of Compton, always in my headphones to uh to this, but anyway, I remember us, you know, we got done. And we left, and I remember, like, turning to Greg and being like, Greg, just, like, super irritatedly, like, how's she going to tell us to do <laughs> what we're go- what we're supposed to rap about? And I'm like, yeah, and I, I'm sure I, I let loose a flurry of expletives <laughs> directed toward your mother. And I just have to apologize in 2015 for <laughs> the harsh words I said walking down the street, walking away from our first recording session. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps it'd a bit harsh. It was a little harsh. There's no filter when you're fourteen, however. Uh, so I remember uh so we we recorded this. There always only literally one tape in existence. Yeah. I don't think we Does did that tape exist. I don't nah, know. It got wiped, so I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> it it probably got a fishbone song written that, over yeah,
1: it. Yeah, you know, maybe it's for the better. We can remember how, you know, grand we thought it
0: was. I just remember getting a copy and being like I I have no control over my vocal cords. (laughs) But anyway, um, so this is kind of where my story kind of takes a a little bit of a turn. So that was my freshman year of high school. And so what was going on in my life at the time was obviously um, you know, struggling with identity. And that was kind of like the first year where I started to really feel like I was fitting in and connecting. And so I remember many parties that uh, me and Greg uh, (laughs) as young freshmen were quite inebriated at. Uh, and I do remember it was really kind of a downward spiral for my life. And what had happened at the end of that freshman year is, is I ended up moving. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I remember going like, dang, you know, like this – this everything that I had finally wanted, I got. And now I had to wa- leave it all behind. Like to me to move two hours away, I might as well have moved to Alaska.
1: Yeah, I didn't see you for uh, how many years? It was it was years and years. I know. We had the posse shirt, posse pants. <laughs> I, yeah, I had to, I had to put that stuff in the closet, man.
0: <laughs> so so here's here's the irony was that uh, I do remember um, I probably – so I moved away. I did not see these guys anymore. Obviously, this is sort of pre-Internet, so it wasn't like I could just text them or hit them up on Facebook. Um, and uh, as, when I had moved is when, uh, is when I got – when I come to Christ. And I remember very distinctly like all my old raps, throwing them away um, – kind of giving up on the whole thing and it was kind of like with that move was almost like a moving of the changing of my life but then you know finding my way back to to, to hip-hop years later which uh, I'm going to save that story for another podcast with some other people but um, just to tie this up a little bit uh, years later I connected with I-, I remember graduating and then finding somehow I must have found you after graduating. Cause so I remember we connected Greg a few times, right? Yeah.
1: It was like 94. He came over and I had the big drum set hooked up. Yes.
0: That was so fun. Man. I remember coming back to that area. Cause that's where my grandma lived. I said, yeah, I'm going to look up Greg and see what he's up to. And sure enough, like you were still, you were really into music. I definitely lost touch with you, Chris. Um, but yeah. And so it was kind of cool. And so I think we just sort of off and on stayed in touch over the years Obviously, with the advent of social media, it became super easier to find people. And I remember, Chris, didn't you hit me up on Facebook randomly?
2: No, actually, I got a. I think I got a request from you, and it, you know, it said KJ Five easy and of course, I don't. That's I. I had no idea who that was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> who is this uh, guy? Yeah, what? like
2: what? what I don't. This is spam. This is Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, but I, but I, you know, I did a little investigating, and I saw that you were also connected to. Uh, to Brian Hoke, who is yes. also a right. Middle Tarpon Springs alumni. Yes. And so I hit him up and was like, you know, who, who is this guy? And he's like, oh yeah, you remember Jonah from middle school and high school? It's like, oh yeah. So that's how we reconnected. Then I, I accepted your friend request at that.
0: Point. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I remember you basically saying that you had had gone out and either got my CDs, and at this point, it's years and years later. I was already like well into my career, and I remember you saying something like you had been playing them with your kids. Yeah, or so, yeah, so, yeah, so
2: yeah, so yeah, I started checking into it, and, and you know, my kids, my kids love you
0: now, yeah. Well, here's here's where it gets even weirder. So we reconnect, me and Chris do, and uh, we get to talking. and And I, I, I guess at the time, I didn't really necessarily remember you as being like a church going guy, or, or maybe we just didn't really have enough connection to to build on that level. But you had kind of said how, you know, you had met your wife, and she was, you know, you guys had basically like started going back to church or something to yep. that effect, and that. Yep that, you know, God has sort of been working in your life and then how s- just talking about the music, long story short, I'm out in Seattle all the time where you live, we reconnect, uh, I end up rocking an, an event at your church and uh, just to bring the whole thing full circle, uh, you end up being like one of the contributors to helping me put out my last record, Mental. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the weirdest thing you've ever heard of in your life?
2: Yeah, pretty much, pretty cool.
0: That the one guy that recorded my first rap... <laughs> Twenty plus years later would be the one guy to invest in my music. It's a long term, yeah. long term investment right there. That's and I still <laughs> never I, and I never paid you for the first session. <laughs> Pro bono. <laughs> it's a <the> slow con. <laughs> but uh, even even to bring the whole thing even more full circle um, with with you, Greg, would be uh, you know a year and a half ago where um, we did the Guinness World Record attempt for the longest freestyle. That was great. Yeah. And uh, so why, why don't you just tell real quick what you uh, what you ended up doing or what you do now?
1: Well, I um, always been driven by music, no matter what it was. You know, one of my biggest heroes, Duke Ellington, always said there's two types of music, good and bad. And I believe that music really comes down to the intentions of the artist, you know, as much as it does the, the, the skill level, you know. And uh, I became a music teacher. Uh, after I went to uh, University of South Florida for jazz studies. And I still continue to play the bass, the double bass, with uh, a few jazz groups. I'm actually going to be playing at the Clearwater Jazz Holiday this uh, October 15th. Boom! Yeah, it's been a big gig we've wanted to have for a while, so that's happening this year.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it's a great great venue right there in Coachman Park, the Clearwater Jazz Holiday. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be doing that with uh, Gloria West. Um, she's a great little singer. Over here from Don Eni.
0: So I remember um, as I got ready to do that attempt with the four other rappers uh, that we were going to do it with, so one of the, the conditions that we kind of came up with was we would do one hour as a team and then every MC would do one hour by themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that was that, the way that we knew we could pull off the Guinness attempt um, of 13 hours. And uh, I felt like how I wanted to approach my hour by myself was to surround myself with people that were significant to my life, you know, either my music or my, you know, my life period. And, uh, obviously at that point, you and I would, had been in contact quite a bit, quite mm-hmm. often. Uh, and I said, Hey Greg, it would, it would be crazy if you would come and play live upright bass, um, during my, uh, during my freestyle attempt. Yeah. And, and this fool shows up in a full suit and tie. <laughs> Looking straight out of a ska band, which I, it. I thought was quite classy. And uh, if you ever uh, anybody that's listening to this, if you ever get a chance to go look up my solo hour, you'll see this little ginger-looking guy off to the slight right,
1: mm-hmm. right left,
0: left right, um, just killing it on the upright bass. And uh, I just thought that was really dope for me to full circle that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if we really had as big rap aspirations as we did, but just to know that you're your childhood homies can be a part of your future years later, uh, either either in your case, Chris, you know, helping me with with putting out the record, or in your case, Greg, you know, helping me, um, you know, get into the Guinness World Record. Yeah, man. And uh, and thus, and that, which still stands to this day. Uh, thank you very much. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I always, I, I guess, and this is just going to be very self indulgent. And uh, and kind of awkward because I'm going to put you both on the spot. But I was always curious what, what went through your mind when you heard that either A, I was doing hip-hop music or B, you know, was now this born-again Christian on, you know, a completely different angle than I used to be. You know what I'm saying? So anyone that feels like, stroking my ego go <laughs> i'm just kidding i'm just no, kidding man, but I, no. I was always curious about your guys perspective on that well for
1: me it was a complete uh surreal experience you know i mean something that we love to do together when we were 13 year old kids you know my here's my my best bud can you know continue to carry that torch all the way to the big time and i can't tell you how many people i've told about, you know, how proud I am of you and how I know you. And uh, uh, when you came to my school that time, a couple of the girls in my class knew who you were and couldn't believe that, you know, we were down, so to speak. (laughs) And, you know, it was just such an honor that, you know, you wanted me to be a part of the world record thing. And, you know, plus I helped you cut that one track. and That's right. Yep. It's just, uh, you know, surreal is the word, man. It's just like it's one of those things when you grow up you know you just you know, some things that are going to happen that you just would never imagine could possibly happen yeah and that's just it's how it feels man it's like it's beyond real like superhuman <laughs> right absolutely yeah,
2: I, yeah I, I i it's crazy to think that you know we were in my bedroom making you know making that song and or those songs and then you know next thing you know you fast forward whatever, 10 years, 15 years, however long it was, and and then you're out doing what you're doing. It's pretty shocking. Um, yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I mean, like Greg said, I think it's it's pretty surreal and it's it's really cool. Yeah. Um, and then to be able to, you know, con- continue to connect with you and, um, you know, come alongside you and help you wherever I can in doing what you're doing has been a real blessing to, to our family. Um, yeah. I think that, you know... The whole the whole thing with my mom was pretty was pretty crazy too, and and to think that that you know maybe subconsciously had some sort of impact. I'm I'm sure that makes her feel good. Yeah, yeah. You never know what you know what you're gonna say or what you know what action you're gonna take and and what that you know what that's gonna do in somebody's life. And sure. I think about that with my kids when they've got friends over and you know the, the random interchanges you have with them and, and sort of, you know, not knowing what that's going to do down the road. And, you know, every, every little conversation matters, every little thing you say matters. Um, Absolutely. So, so that's, that's pretty cool too.
0: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you guys taking out your time. Now I want to uh, go ahead and stroke your guys' egos real quickly. Um, one, because I think Greg is going to be humble about his, uh, his, his musical accomplishments, but uh, if they want to check out your group, or, uh, you know, where you guys play, if you're anywhere in the southwest, uh, I should say the, the western Tampa area, uh, where could they check out uh, what you, your band? Your multiple bands. You're in like 700 bands, bro. Uh,
1: I, I think it's down to four right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I play a jazz duo with uh, one of the best jazz guitarists, Nate Najar, N-A-J-A-R. Nate Najar. He plays all over the East Coast. He's got records. And, uh, yeah, we play a duo with the Anata Wine Bar every uh, third Monday, and I coordinate all the entertainment for you not a Wine Bar, by the way. It's a really, really amazing spot. If anybody knows what Mazzaro's is, it's, uh, it's in the Mazzaro's family, downtown St. Pete. Uh, anyway, so that's there. I also play with a ska band called The New Rulers, and uh, we're playing all over the place, going to Sanford, Orlando uh, this Saturday.
0: Is there a website they can check you guys out Yeah, on,
1: The New Rulers, I'm sure it's just like TheNewRulers.com or something. I don't have anything, I don't have anything to do with those websites. I just play the music.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Greg is a super accomplished, um, musician. And, uh, I never forget, uh, coming by his class, uh, he's also a full-time school teacher at a, a magnet school. Is that right? It's a, a charter, s- charter, charter school. school. That's okay. right. My bad. Um, and just, uh, and seeing his rapport with his kids was just, uh, it was just really dope to see, um, it's kind of funny how much we tortured our teachers, and now we are the teachers. Oh, yeah. And uh, But anyway, uh, Chris, on the other hand, has basically a software mogul. Um, he's the next Bill Gates slash Steve Jobs. I, I, maybe not. But anyway, <laughs> uh, he's up there in Seattle in the tech world, which that's cool. However, randomly, one time as me and Chris walked to the Dove Awards together – he goes, hey man, check out these pants, and he points at his pants. I said, you want me to look? You want me to look at your pants? Okay. He's like, what do you think about these pants here? I'm like, it's a cool pants. I don't, I don't really get where you're going with this. He says, oh, I, I make jeans on the side. On the side. I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I make stretchy jeans, and I'm thinking, you make jorts. He's like, no. No, I sell jeans on the side. I'm like, you're like a massive tech software guy, and yet you also have a side business? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yo, Chris, 3434, man, so you know. 3434. <laughs> so basically, Chris tells me, of, of just you know offhand, it would be like, oh, and by the way, I have my own car company, or like, oh, by the way, I uh, have a rocket ship to the, to the moon right now. Uh, just casually, basically, starts telling me about his jean company called Broke, is that correct? Right?
2: Yeah, it's it's broke. B R O E K.
0: Right, he, yeah. he basically had a, a jean company on the side that uh that was quite successful, uh and basically made these like phenomenal. I I don't know. Go ahead and explain what these yeah, pants were because I, I they're wear them all the time.
2: They're amazing pants. They're just they're just amazing, and I can't take credit for the pants. Um, I've got another friend from um from my my earlier childhood. Um, that uh, is a uh, is a designer, and and he had made these pants, um, you know, just sort of as as this side thing that he was working on, and and uh, every time we would get together, I would harass him about, um, you know, how, how how do we get these pants made so that you know there's more than just you know three or four pairs of them in existence, and finally we both ended up down in LA at the same time, and you know I asked about the pants and. And uh, he said they were basically on mothballs, and you know I was like that's unacceptable. And uh, <laughs> and, and so we started we started thinking, and, and Kickstarter um, came to my mind. And and at that point, Kickstarter was mostly for you know sort of hardware kind of stuff or software kind of stuff. And um, but I was like you know hey, Kickstarter might be a way for us to do this. And um, and so we went on Kickstarter, and and you know the large it was at the time the largest men's fashion Kickstarter was sort of in funding and uh and they had raised about a hundred and fifty K um and ultimately I think they closed at about two hundred and fifty grand. And uh and so we we're like this this could this could really be. So, you know, why don't you come up to Seattle? We'll put together a you know, a video and a site and and put it up there and see what happens. And uh so he came up to Seattle, we put everything together and and uh, and launched it, and, and we sold about eighty thousand dollars worth of of these, <laughs> of these pants, which then began the greatest learning experience of, of our lives. I think, as we, you know, went from you know how do we take these prototypes to production and and deliver you know right. deliver hundreds and hundreds of pants around the world. Um, but they're they're really amazing. Uh, we've got an e-commerce website up. It's uh, Gopher Broke, which is G O. Uh, f o r b r o e k um, dot com. Yep. And uh, right now we're we're there's some there's still some pairs in inventory, but mostly we're sold out. We're getting ready to uh, to launch a limited edition fall line that should hit the website in the uh, in the coming weeks. So
0: yes, sir. So, so excited about that. The moral of the story is, if you ever want to make a rap group, you will become a jeans mogul slash Phenomenal Upright Bass Player Slash Christian Rapper There's something There's something in the water In Palm Harbor, Florida Do
2: not underestimate What can happen in a bedroom
0: PH The PH PH Well thank you guys Man I super appreciate it Thanks for taking your time out Um, As usual It's great to stroll down The memory lane And uh, for those that ever Wanted to know What KJ's first rap was It was a very bad experience vocally larynx wise <laughs> but humble beginning so anyway thank you guys appreciate y'all yeah you got it man